This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. continue this idea, the characters of Christmas this morning, we're going to discuss Mary. I do hope that you have um, thought about the wise men a little bit over the past week, and you've considered your journey, you've considered their journey. Uh, I got a picture of a, a nativity scene that had been set up, and the wise men were way down the mantle making their journey to the scene. We can't rob them from that. I'm thankful for my journey. Are you thankful for yours? Amen? The Gospel of Luke, I don't know what really happened with Luke because he being the detailed guy he's supposed to be, who's supposed to have all the the good stuff, left out the wise men altogether. But we're going to look at Luke a little bit and, and recount his history of Mary. And I want us just to kind of think outside the box. You know Mary. You know Mary was the virgin uh, girl that was engaged to Joseph, and that's who God chose to use to bring in the Savior of the world. You know Mary. We know these characters. The goal of this, told you last week, was not to, to have some new fancy whatever. It's just to make us look a little bit different maybe than what we've looked before. And so you know Mary, so don't check out on me just because you know Mary and because you've heard the Christmas story 500 thousand times. Uh, if you have, you listen to it a lot during the year, uh, but I'm just going to share this a little bit with you. So Luke chapter 1, uh, I'm going to read verses 39 through 42, and I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version, and then most of the scripture that I'm going to read today is going to come out of the New Living Translation. But there's a, a word in here that I really like that I want to share that's a little different. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. To a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, I chose to read that out of that translation rather than out of the New Living Translation because the New Living Translation, Elizabeth looks at Mary and says, you are blessed and the child within you is blessed, or blessed is your child. It doesn't say the fruit of your womb. It says blessed is the child. And so the whole thought for me today is not necessarily about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus uh, in a couple weeks. But the idea for me is not even really... Uh, We're we're looking at the role of Mary, but I want us to be careful to pay attention to the gift that was within her. I want us to be careful to pay attention, not necessarily looking at Jesus, the child, the Savior of the world, but I want us to almost objectify this gift, if you will, for just a few minutes so that we look at the fruit of her womb. We don't have to put a name to it. We don't have to to consider it to be the child. Let's look at it as the New New King James translators translated it as the fruit of of her womb being blessed. Can you do that with me? So you know the story. You know that what happens is uh, the, the angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, and we read of that. We pick up that in uh, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which was already a miracle in itself, Elizabeth was not supposed to have any kids. She was old. She was barren. And when the, the angel Gabriel came to Zacharias and he said, hey, you're going to be a father. He said, uh, who are you talking to? I'm old and it's not going to happen. He says, well, just for that, buddy, you're not going to talk until the day that your baby's born. That's important. That's an important detail because we see it take place again. I took in my Bible and I've highlighted two passages and I've drawn on me an awesome little arrow from one place to the other because that exact same scenario takes place on the next page. But Zacharias was mute. He didn't get to talk. He didn't say anything. But, but here is going to be the, uh, the, the proclaimer of the gospel. He's going to be the one that points to Jesus. He's going to be one, the one that prepares the way, which would be John the Baptist that you know. And that is Elizabeth's baby. And so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a, 
a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. We can pause right there for just a minute. Has anything out of the ordinary, she's been given no instruction. She's been given no detail. All that has happened is the angel of the Lord has shown up and said, Hey, the Lord is with you. And like Mary, many of us, that's enough to terrify us. We can't grasp the concept that the Lord literally is with us, that the creator of all the universe, the one that, that put the stars in, in the sky, that put the earth in motion, we can't get to a place to grasp the concept that the Lord is with us. She's not even been given any instruction. She has no clue what Gabriel's even showing up for. Yet, the Bible says that she's confused and disturbed. And she tried to think of what the angel could mean. And he said, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, if you have found, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great, will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Of course, Mary has to ask questions because the questions always have to come. And she says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby uh, will be born, the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Somebody say amen. The word of God will never fail, right? We have to grab that and let that sink within us to understand that anything that is put inside of us is going to prosper. Anything that God puts within us has to, to come with the precedence of knowing the word of God will not fail. If he's put something on our life, if he's put a calling on our life, if he has put anything whatsoever within us, if you have any responsibility at all that is a blessing from God, the word of God on that will not fail. Right? So we look at Mary's life, and there's a couple things that we can see. First of all, uh, she responds with uh, verse 38, that was where I was trying to make it to. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. We see, first of all, Mary's human. We see Mary's human nature, which, sure, we know Mary's human. She's the, the, the virgin girl who conceived the Son of God. There's no, there's no recollection of her up to this point. We meet her in Luke chapter 1. Matthew talks about her earlier in his gospel, but we don't really see in the timeline of history until Luke introduces us to her when Gabriel shows up. She's human. I know she's human because when Gabriel shows up and just says, hey, the Lord's with you, she's confused and disturbed. Had she been any kind of divine nature, had she been anything other than a human being, it would not have been unusual for her. It would have not have been surprising for her. It would not have been an issue for an angel of God to show up and say, hey, God's with you. Right? We see her human nature. We see her human nature when she questions Gabriel. Gabriel says, hey, you're going to conceive a child. She says, this makes no sense. I'm engaged to be married to Joseph. We have yet to, to have slept together. We've not been together. How can it be that I'm going to have a baby when I've not been with a man? There are things that God puts on our heart, and it's not just the leadership. It's not just people of any kind of stature at all. I promise if you'll sit down and you'd be open and honest with me somewhere, somehow, even probably this week, you've seen something that's triggered something in your mind that you said, I could fix that. I could make that situation better. I could really touch that person's life. Probably, you went on about your way and you really didn't think about it again and you let it just kind of roll on. It's a good thought. It was a good idea. It's a good intention. But we move forward. If you'd be honest with me, hadn't that happened? And realistically, we don't have a clue what, what 
capacity that had and how powerful that simple thought could have been, it could have very well been no different than Gabriel the angel standing before you, a nobody, a virgin who has no way whatsoever to make that take place, saying, hey, the Lord God is with you, and I'm going to put something inside of you to make a difference. We don't know that. And when those times come, chances are you passed on by that thought. You passed on by that concept because you don't have the resources. You didn't have the time. You were busy. You were on your way. Whatever it is, it's not already there in your hand to make that take place, right? I have all these crazy, wild ideas. Of course I do, right? You know me well enough to know my life is full of crazy, wild ideas. Either we're going to go all or nothing. What's the point not taking a risk? God sent his son down from heaven to this little lowly earth knowing he was going to die on a cross. You talk about a risk knowing that so many people would never come to know him. If God can take a risk like that on me, I'm willing to take a risk for him. But Mary's human. And just like you and I do so many times and probably in those moments, you question what it was that God wanted to do and you question probably not even, if you're not in tune with the voice of God and you're not used to the nudging of the Holy Spirit, you thought that as just a wild idea when it could have very well been the Holy Spirit dropping something in your heart. But we put off the concept. We put off the idea. We question, no, I can't do that. First of all, I'm on my way to this appointment and I got to get there and get this thing done. I don't have the money to go buy 500 coats to give all these people. I don't have the, the resources to go cook all this food. Who in the world would have the time to go cook all this food to feed all these people? There's always something, right? Because we're human. And the thing that God has put inside of us is not of human nature, it's of divine nature. God was planting his very son inside of this human girl. It only makes sense that she, being fully human, would question the divine plan of God and would question the gift that was going to be put within her. Right? She's human. That's important to understand for a number of reasons, but if for no other reason, you have to understand that the miracle of God sending the Savior to the world came through a mere human being like you and I. It literally was a miracle that a virgin conceived a baby, had a baby, and that baby came into the world, right? It's the foundation of our Christ Christian doctrine. It's the foundation of what we believe. And without that concept, it, none, of, none of this matters anymore. So you have to know she's human. Not only was she human, but she was humble and obedient. I see obedience in the last statement. She says, in verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The word she uses for servant literally translates as slave girl. I am the Lord's slave girl. I'm his slave. And it's, she, she is owning the place. She's owning the position. Whatever, God, you have for my life. Whatever it is that you want from me, I'm willing to put all of my plans aside. I'm willing to put everything that I am to the side. I'm willing to walk in full obedience of who you are and what you have for me. She has to humble herself. She's not married. You know this. You've heard this preached how many times that that they're engaged to be married. They're in this legally binded contract. And at any point, Joseph could have walked away from her and because it would have been evident that they had had an, she had had an affair on him, that she had been with somebody. That was grounds for them to separate this betrothal, this, um, this engagement. But she had to deal with the fact of what's everybody going to say? What's Joseph going to say? What's it going to look like for me, this young, this young teenage girl showing up and here my belly starts rolling out and we get to look at, at, at how big I am and I don't, even, I don't even have a husband. We see nowhere other than in the fact of her questioning, we don't see anywhere else that she, she stops with anything other than humility and obedience. She questions it. But after the, the question, she moves on and she says, whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever you need from me, I'm your slave girl, Lord. 
I'm 100% sold out to you. I'm 100% walking in obedience. I'm willing to do whatever, however, whenever you say. She's human. She's humble and obedient. There's a difference between her response and Zachariah's response. She questioned Gabriel no different than Zachariah's questioned Gabriel. You look over in chapter 1, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man. My wife is also well in years. You notice he didn't call her old. How can I be sure this will happen? Obviously, there was a different heart. There's a different intent behind the questioning. Because... Gabriel's response to him is, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. He says, and because you've questioned my authenticity, you get to be mute. Because you've questioned the authenticity of what God is wanting to do in your life, you get to shut up. And Mary questions in the same same sentence structure, she says, but how can this be? I'm a virgin girl. How, how can I conceive a child? Is there really a difference in the asking? We wrote it down on, you look at it on paper, it's black and white. He said, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well, uh, she's well along in years. Mary said, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's really not a big difference, right? Which means the only difference that had to take place, Gabriel went and elaborated. He said, well, actually what's going to happen, since you ask, is the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. He didn't make her mute. It was all in the way the question was asked. It was all with the heart and the intent. Right? I learned a long time ago, and I've done my very best to teach my babies, and they ain't grasping it. You can get almost anything you want, depending on how you ask. I'm not talking about being spoiled from Amy and Papa, because they are that too. Papa's done well, and Madeline knows she can say, I love you, Papa. But Caden's got his little song. McCain, can you sing your song? He says, I love my papa forever. But you ever tried to get a bill reduced? A time or two. You ever done it? Or, or you ever struggled, you had something that somebody had done you wrong and you knew that your way was right and you walked up in there bullheaded and tried to push them around and tell them one way or another? You probably didn't get very far. But if I walk up to you and I, how you doing today? It is so good to see you. Listen, I got a problem. Can you help me out with this? The other night, me and Mike ordered some Little Caesars. Correction, I ordered Little Caesars. It was wrong. That's why I'll take the credit. So I ordered Little Caesars on the app, and I ordered what I thought we were going to eat, and we pull up, and I did not order the correct thing, and I knew better. And so I'm like, man, what am I supposed to do about this? I've already paid for the food on the app. I go in, and the little girl there is uh, at the cash register. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm good. How are you? I said, well, I got a problem. I said, I ordered the wrong pizza on the app. She said, I can't do anything about it. I said, too for sure, girl. You can't help me out. I said, I thought I had done right. And then my wife told me I ordered the wrong food. I need some help. She said, I can't, but David can. I said, who's David? She said, that's my manager. And so he comes. She, she got in. He come out. I said, man, I shook his hand. How you doing? I said, my name's Mitchell, and I got a problem. I said, David, you're the man that can help me. I said, I ordered this pizza, and I ordered the wrong pizza, and I found out after I had already done it that I didn't do the right thing, and I need some help. I'm going to be in trouble. He said, I got you. And he starts punching his little numbers on there, and if you know anything about Little Caesars, the deep, deep dish pizza is $3 more than a regular pizza, right? 
He swapped my pizza out, didn't charge me a dime, and made it happen. Fixed him a pizza in the back. He told him what to do. Do you know that I only got that because I went there with a smile on my face, bebopping in there, happy-go-lucky? Like I didn't have a care in the world and they were the most important people? They were the most important people in my life at the moment. The way you ask a question makes a whole, whole, whole lot of difference in the answer you receive. And if we're going to walk within the, with the gift of God within us, we have to recognize our human nature, but we have to walk in that with humility and obedience. I'm not going to do everything right. I'm not going to do everything right trying to steward the gift and the calling that God's put on my life. There are days I really mess it up. There are days that my flesh comes into my decision making and my decisions are not based on what the Holy Spirit would lead me to do, but they're based on what my flesh would lead me to do. And I can walk humbly enough to, first of all, ask forgiveness. I can walk humbly enough to go back and admit my wrongdoing. And I can walk humbly enough to to bow my head right on down to fix whatever it is. In order to carry the gift that God wants to put within us, we have to walk humble. We have to walk in obedience or that gift is not, it's going to be abused all day, every day. When we start walking with pride, when we start walking with with disobedience, when we start walking in our own way, putting our own foot one in front of the other before we ever let the presence of God lead us, that gift that God has to change the world within us is going to be used to destroy what God's trying to build up. It's possible, I'm telling you. I could use this platform to destroy your life. I recognize that. I recognize the responsibility. There are ministers all over that are using their place, they're using their platform, and they're harming the kingdom of God rather than building it up. And it's because they're not willing to walk humbly in the calling that God's put on their life. Zechariah questioned in a different way. It's not going to even be sure that this is you. When he questioned the authenticity of God, his mouth was shut in an instant. A miracle happened in his life, and he couldn't tell anybody about it for nine months. Walk humble and obedient. Look at the gift for a minute. The gift is divine. And that, that floods into the humility of our own life. If I ever get to the place where I believe that I have the talents and the abilities that I do by my own will, I've lost everything that I am as a man of God. If you ever get to a place that whatever it is you're good at, whatever it is that life has allowed you to find your way into, whether it's cooking, whether it's taking care of a kid, whether it's driving a truck, whether it's whatever you working on a car, I don't care what it is. If we ever get to a place where we think that that ability and that that gifting is from us, you've lost it, friend. The gift within you is divine. It's recognized as divine. How did it even happen? How did she even receive? How did she conceive? Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. That word overshadow literally means cover. It covered her. The power of God covered her life in every aspect. She had to go through a, a spiritual change. She had to go through a mental change. She had to go through an emotional change. You ever met a pregnant woman? She had to go through a psychological change. She went through a, a major physical change. Every area of her life had the covering of the power of God on it as God conceived something in her to make a difference. There was no place in her life that the presence of God didn't flood over. In that very moment, the moment that Gabriel showed up and said, hey, the Lord is with you, at that point her life was changed. Confused and disturbed because something radical had just taken place in her life. 
And now in order for her to conceive, the, the, the Holy Spirit had to come on her, which meant, I know by Acts 1 and 8 that when the Holy Spirit came upon her, she received power to be a witness, right? There was already power. But then it came of the covering of the Most High God. When God puts something inside of you, understanding that it is divine is a key part. How you use that gift is determined by the way you view that gift. These girls can sing. They'll stand on this platform. And they could probably, if they wanted to manipulate the system, could find their way to making some great money, much more than they make, on your wonderful Sapona Road platform up here, singing like they love to sing. They recognize their gift is divine. Right? I sat in a Christmas party Thursday night with the ministers of this state. But sitting in front of me was a table full of people that were not credentialed ministers in this state. And I don't normally get all to do over people. I'm a person just like they are. I don't normally get excited over a whole lot. And I wasn't really excited, but I sat as I watched this group of prominent men worship the Lord. Men that are head over banks. They're, they're on boards of universities. They're, they're prominent men in their community. They own restaurants. Very, very prominent men in their communities could do anything they want with their time and with their resources. And I watched, and I, as I was worshiping, as I was engulfed in what was going on, I, I did, I was kind of taken back for a moment. Because those men recognize who they are, but they recognize whose they are. I know the pastor that pastors them, and when they walk in that church, they're not doctor, they're not whoever they are within the community. They are, on a first-name basis, brothers and sisters of God, and they use whatever resources, whatever it is that God's put inside of them. They recognize the divine nature, whether it's a bookkeeping skill, realizing that they can look at a profit and loss statement and use that for the glory of God and realize, hey, we can do more for the kingdom by this. That's a simple gift. That's something God's put inside of us. But recognizing that it is divine determines what we do with it. It was not only divine, it was full of power. It had to have been full of power by the way that she received it. The fact that it was a gift of the Holy Spirit meant that it had to be full of power. Whatever was going to take place within her was full of power. And it was so full of power that she shows up. To, I, I love the way that we see the eagerness in, in this. Because when Gabriel leaves her and, and it says the angel left, it, it almost says immediately, shortly after, very shortly after, within a couple of days, ever how you want to translate it, she shows up to, to Elizabeth's house. He says, I'm telling you, this is what's coming on your life, and I've already done it for her. This is your sign that I'm real. This is your sign that it's going to take place. You go look at Elizabeth and see what's happening in her life. And Mary, eager to see that, eager to know what's going on, goes to Elizabeth's house. And what's so cool is I thought about it today, and I thought about it this week, that when she walked in, the Bible says that by the sound of her voice, it does not say the words that come out of her mouth. You want to read it? Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. 
at the sound of Mary's greeting. It wasn't the words she said. At the sound of her greeting, baby John was filled with the Holy Ghost, and Elizabeth was baptized in the Holy Ghost at the sound of her voice. There's so much power in the gift that God is putting within us. There's so much power in what he's conceiving within us that our voice literally changes. There's not only power in our words, there's power in the way we use our words. And there's so much power in the gift of God that is within Mary that when she walks in and greets the room, the presence of God moves. She didn't give no elaborate. We ain't got a clue what she even said. All she did was walk in and spoke. What if we harness the power of the gift within us? What if we harness the power of whatever it is that God has conceived inside of us that, that was purposed a long, long, long time ago of what you and I would be known for in our life? What God would use within us to change the world. What if we harness that power to a point that when we opened our mouth, the atmosphere shifted? Understanding that it is so divine and it is so powerful that, that we're so full of the Holy Spirit that when we open our mouth, doesn't matter what we say, it doesn't matter what we speak. If we're full of the Holy Spirit, what we speak is going to be good. So if what we speak is going to be good, it's not about the words we speak, it's about the way we speak them. There was power in the gift. It's contagious. Because that power flooded in to Elizabeth. Did you know, I, I don't, My conversations, I'm an introvert. We've discussed this. And so I can walk into Little Caesars and I can have a conversation like that. Much more depth and it would be very uncomfortable for me. I'm just being real. Right? I can cut up with the lady in the Walmart cashier line, put a smile on their face, Maybe even get to a place to ask them where to go to church. But if we get much deeper, I'm extremely uncomfortable. I don't like it. You stay in your bubble. I'll stay in my bubble. You can keep your words. I can keep my words. But when we walk in the gift, and we recognize the gift that literally the Holy Spirit has put within us. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us and the power of the Most High overshadows us. He covers us and he puts something inside of us to be witnesses of his. Those people's days change. I don't have to get deep in conversation. I don't have to dig down into their life history, their life story. Probably if I did, I could really be a blessing. It's not my gift. But when I leave, there's a smile on their face. When David handed me that deep, deep dish pizza the other night, he had a big old grin on his face. He served me. He gave me what I wanted, and he's still the one smiling. It's not often that you get what you want with a smile. Right? He didn't have to do that. That was not his job to upgrade my pizza and not even charge me. His job was fix the pizza that I put in the order, give me my pizza, deliver it hot and ready, whatever you want to say, and send me out the door. That was his job. But what's within me was contagious enough that he did his job beyond his job. He gave me what I asked for. Still with a smile on his face.
when we harness what's within us, we recognize the power, it becomes contagious. So then Mary is blessed because of the gift. Mary's human. She's humble and obedient. Gabriel said that she had found favor with the Lord. This thing's implanted within her. We know it's the Son of God. We know it's a baby. But I told you we're objectifying for a few minutes. This gift is put inside of her. It's a gift that's divine. Human nature has now collided with divine nature. It's full of power. When she opens her mouth, the atmosphere shifts. But yet Elizabeth says, verse 45, you're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. I'm nothing without the gift of God on my life. It's not my calling. It's not my gifts. It's not my talents. It's not just my family. It's not just the life that is within me. The gift of God encompasses all the above. And I'm nothing without the gift of God on my life. First and foremost, I have no reason to believe any reason other than the fact Mary was a sinner. Because for all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? She found favor with the Lord, but we... She's not perfect. Thank the Lord that don't rule me out of conceiving a gift. And God put something inside of her to change the world. And because of what he put within her, she was blessed. I'm blessed because of what God has placed within me. Not only because of what he's placed within me, but in order for him to have put it within me, I had to believe the word of God. The word of the Lord that we established at the very beginning of this conversation would last forever. Right? The word of God that would always stand through whatever it is, whatever trial, whether everybody's going to turn their back. I don't know what Mary's life was like. I don't know what her mama thought when she shows up and says, Mom, I'm going to have a baby. Is it Joseph's? Nope. Whose is it? It's God's. I don't know what that was like. But I'd imagine she had some obstacles to overcome. To the very point of conceiving that gift in the most humble way possible. Her gift entered into the world to change the world in a stable. Laid him in a feed trough, which is actually pretty interesting as it's symbolic of he would be the bread of life that would be consumed. Her gift didn't get displaced. She didn't get to get on some fancy last baby of the year and be on the news, blast it all over, and her baby be known because it's the best baby in the world. It wasn't like that. She didn't get to bring in the first baby of the new year, the first baby of the century. We ain't got a clue what. The gift was put inside her by the power of God, but it was released through humility. 
It was released behind closed doors. The rest of the world wasn't watching. They were waiting on the king. They knew he was coming. The wise men were two years behind. It didn't have to be put on a pedestal for display. Family. God will reward your faithfulness without you blasting it for everybody to see it. People don't have to know how many people you've blessed. People don't have to see how much money you've gave. Family, you're givers. Thank you for your faithfulness. You're phenomenal. The ministry of the gospel couldn't go forward. What God is doing through this church and through this family could not happen without you being faithful. I'll tell you that, and I will tell anybody. I stand before some of the leaders in our church, and I brag, and they're faithful. I've never met a group of of church people that tithe the way that our church family tithes. The percentage of people that tithe is amazing. I don't have a clue what you're giving. I just know you tithe. That's phenomenal. I don't have to go blast that all over the world for people to know that you give. That's a gift that's been conceived within you for God to use to change the world. It don't have to be put on a platform for people to see it. The gift that was within Mary went from the stable to the cross, and now here we are over 2,000 years later celebrating, worshiping, and we're celebrating Mary for the gift. We're looking at her life for what she was used to bring into the world. There's a gift that's within you. And if you don't know what that gift is, then maybe it's not quite been yet. I believe it's there. It's there. Maybe the Holy Spirit hadn't come on you and hadn't covered you in your entire life so that it's been been revealed to you. But from the day you were stamped out into the the clay that you were going to come into the world as, your gift was was within you. I'd have never dreamed in the 29 years I've been alive, that I would stand and I would use a gift that God had put within me. I'd never seen, it didn't make any sense. It still does not make any sense to me. But when God allows us to see the gift that's within us and we begin to understand, you know what, Lord, you're going to do something. We become blessed because we believe what he says. We're blessed because of that gift within us. We're human. Amen. This guy is human. Before I make it to the restaurant this afternoon, I will have shown my flesh in some way, shape, or form. More than likely to the people that are the closest to me. Because I have to go a little bit deeper with them. But I recognize I'm human. I recognize I'm weak. I recognize that God has put something within me that is so far beyond my human ability. So far beyond anything this little old brain can comprehend. And what God put within me is not of human flesh. It's of divine nature. And just like Mary, God has used this ball of clay with nothing more to offer than vacancy to collide heaven and earth within me. So that the kingdom of God could burst out from inside of me into the people around me. I'm not special. 
because he did that to you. I just talk about me because I'd prefer to save you the hassle of me talking about you. But I'm nobody special. Mary found favor with the Lord, but realistically, so did Noah. She was just an average girl. The one that God had handpicked in the, the point of history to deliver in the Savior of the world, the one that would be the world changer. But he could have picked you or me or anybody else. And he did. Because just because I didn't bring in the physical body of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that I've not brought in the spirit of the Holy Holy Ghost, and I've not brought in the Spirit of God. It's not that something's not been conceived within me that's supposed to come out, not on a platform, not on some pedestal put above everybody else, but there's been something put within you and within me that's supposed to come out that is a world-changing thing. Sure, it's the power of God. It's the presence of God. But you've all received a gift from the great variety of the gifts. So the presence of God, the power of God, the fullness of God is encompassing something. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the ministry of the gospel. But there's more than that. If you can cook, then God's put something inside of all the presence of God encompassed is your cooking ability. If you got a pretty smile... Most of you got a pretty smile. It's engulfed in the presence of God, and it's expected to go out to change somebody's day. Will it be a life changer? Maybe. Will it be the one that keeps them from going off the deep end and doing something crazy? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just called to release the gift. Understanding that it's full of power, it's divine in nature, it's contagious. Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the gift that you've put within my life. God, I thank you for the thing that you've placed within me. Lord, I thank you for everything that, that you've blessed me with, Lord, my family. Got a home, food, a ministry, Lord, a, a place to share your gospel. I thank you for your love, your salvation over my life. God, I'd be nothing without your blessings on my life. I am blessed because I have believed what you said, Lord. And I believe that you are Lord over all. I believe that you are healer. I believe that you're provider, God. I believe you're in control of everything of our life, every, every aspect, every detail. I believe that you care. I believe that you love. God, and I believe that you put something within, within each one of us. God, that you're wanting to draw out. You've allowed heaven to collide with earth within these own, these our own fleshly bodies, our own beings. You've allowed something divine to be implanted within us, God, that our flesh has to release to change the world. Father, we recognize our human nature today. We recognize that we're nobody. We recognize we're nothing without you. We recognize that the task you've put before us is a heavenly task. It's a divine task. You've called us to change the world, and there is no way that this mere body, this, this fleshly human being can change the world without your divine nature being implanted and instilled in me. There's no way I can walk forward with grace and mercy, God, and walk in the power without the Holy Spirit resting on me and coming within me. There's no way that I can move the direction that you would have me to go without following the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, like Mary, we all have something within us today. And you're calling us to embrace that. Lord, to, to find that perception, to realize the power that is within us. 
God, and to release it to change the world. It's okay, God, to question. It's okay to be concerned, to even be confused and disturbed, as one translator put it. God, but we walk in that with humility and obedience. Moving us today, Holy Spirit. Family, we're going to pray over these shoeboxes in a moment. So if you would, if you could make your way to the altar. I want us to gather around. We don't know the lives that are going to be impacted. Before we pray over these boxes, I want to ask that just make a commitment that we commit ourselves to figuring out, maybe you know what it is, but exploring that gifting of our life, recognizing the power, the blessing of that gift, and allowing God to use it. Would you pray that with me, Father? We stand here today, Lord, in the place of Mary, sinners, low, humble, God, but we're your people. God, and I pray that we found favor with you today, and I pray, God, that, Lord, that you will show us what it is that you've put inside of us, God, what it is that you called us to. Lord, I pray for blessings over that. I pray for blessings over the smiles and the drive-throughs and in the restaurants. God, I pray for the blessings over every place that you take us, every place we go, Father, as we follow your leading. God, that words of wisdom would flow out of our mouth, that, that, that not only the words, God, but the sound of our voice would shift the atmosphere as the gift that is within us is full of power. It's of divine nature. Use us, God, to change the world by the power of the gift that's within inside of us. Holy Spirit, direct our path, guide us, lead us. Help us, Lord, as we recognize we're blessed because we believe your word today. In Jesus' name, God bless us, keep us. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.